0: And welcome. Welcome uh, to everyone here on the Acton Institute podcast. This is Radio Free Acton, the very first edition of Radio Free Acton. We're excited to have you along on what will hopefully be a weekly uh, look behind the doors of the Acton Institute, talking with some of the people who are bringing moral and theological reflection to bear on the important issues of our day. My name is Mark Vandermas, I'm your host, and I'm joined in the Acton Studios today by three of my colleagues. Uh, First of all, John Caritas, Director of Communications. Good day to you, John.
1: Good to be here, Mark.
0: Ray Notstein is here, an Associate Editor, and you've probably read some of his work on the Acton Power blog or in our uh, other various publications. Ray, uh, good to have you along.
2: Good to be here, Mark. And
0: Jordan Baller. If you read the Act in Power blog at all, you know that name. He is our chief power blogger and uh, also an associate editor at the Institute. Jordan, welcome. Great to be here. Well, we are talking about uh, this week the big issue that can't be avoided the presidential race. And uh, since we are in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan to be specific, we're uh, talking about the upcoming Michigan primary, which is turning into a pretty big contest, especially on the Republican side. Uh, The Democrats only have one candidate on the ballot due to some. uh, shenanigans move, uh, moving the caucus or the primary, I should say, date up a little bit too far for the National Party's tastes. Taking a look at the poll numbers for this upcoming primary here in Michigan, we've got a very tight race. Ray, can you run through those numbers for us?
2: Sure. We have Mitt Romney at 20.3%, John McCain at 195 and Mike Huckabee at 19%. And that is an average of four polls from early December all the way through early January. We have Giuliani, Thompson, and Paul following those three Giuliani at 10.3%, Thompson at 45 and, and Paul at 4%.
0: And we should note, even though Romney comes out on top in the, the uh, average of the four polls, there's only one of those where he has a lead, um, a two-point lead shows up in the uh, Detroit News poll. All the other ones, he is uh, behind the front runners uh, by as much as nine points and as little as one point. So there is some spread in these polls, but uh, on average, Mitt Romney comes out ahead.
2: Right. It's a very tight race, and the independents will play a factor here.
0: And, of course, faith has been a uh, well a huge factor in this race uh, between Mitt Romney and the issue of Mormonism uh, and uh, Mike Huckabee and his uh, Baptist pastor credentials. Jordan, can you talk a little bit about what sort of an effect that faith factor is having in the Michigan race?
3: Well, I mean, the Huckabee campaign itself identifies the faith factor as what has catapulted him into contention in Michigan uh, in the absence of any real uh, on-the-ground activity or organization or... Um, Focus really on Michigan, so it came as a surprise to the Huckabee campaign that they're doing so well, given that they don't have the money to spend compared to somebody like Romney. It's not their home state; they haven't done a lot of of work here in Michigan. Um, so they're attributing um, Huckabee's faith stance and and his uh, overall moral platform to to his success here in Michigan. And I, I, let me explain that real quick. I think what's what's resonating with people in Michigan is Mike Huckabee. Uh, as an example of the new, what, what's being called the new evangelicals, and the, the mainstream media has really missed this, I think, because they're they're associating new evangelicals, young evangelicals, with the, with the so-called evangelical left, like like Jim Wallace. Um, and what they're missing there is is Huckabee's uh, stalwart stance on on traditional social conservative issues like abortion and and um, gay marriage, um, and what differentiates Huckabee. And, and new evangelicals from the so-called religious right traditionally is focused on other moral issues such as uh, stewardship of the environment and uh, international development and these sorts of things. So um, it's really an, uh, an evangelical moderate uh, which, which covers a lot of the young, new young people who are just as conservative on life issues as their forebears but have a lot of concerns um, across the board in terms of the public policy.
0: A little bit of a broader uh, perspective on the on the issues for Huckabee, and, and I, I would note as well that uh, uh, as Huckabee has gone along, he's, he's sort of been tarred with this economic liberal brush, and I've noticed that as the campaign has progressed a little bit more, he's talking more and more about things like tax cuts, the fair tax, some of the more traditional economic conservative issues too, I, I would assume just to offset that image that he's, uh, he's acquired as, as sort of a big spender.
3: Well, the, the illusion is that these other issues are... Uh, part and parcel uh, liberal issues. So if you talk about stewardship of the environment or international development aid, these sorts of things, um, they're by definition liberal issues, and that's simply not the case.
0: Turning to um, John Caritas, uh, the Acton Institute, of course, is very interested in, in issues of the role of, of faith and politics. Uh, President of the Institute, Father Robert Sirico, had a lot to say about this, uh, has had a lot to say about this over the years, and in, in fact, just about a month ago, Uh, had, I I believe, an op-ed where he talked about this issue.
1: Yeah, that's right, Mark. Um, He was uh, following uh, Romney's speech in Texas when he talked about his his faith and how it affects his uh, candidacy. Uh, Father Robert had this to say, um, that uh, Romney is right that religion and morality are core convictions in America. Our freedom depends on this. Without the ability to manage our lives morally, the state steps into the vacuum, both in response to public demand and to serve the state's own interests in expanding power. And then Father uh, lifted a quote from Romney's speech where Romney promised that, uh, quote, no authorities of my church or of any other church for that matter will ever exert influence on presidential decisions. Um, that's interesting. And this is what Father's response was to uh, that um Romney assertion, I find it strange that American culture should require someone running for president to make a break with his religious authority. This strikes me as an attack on the conscience. What we should be asking is this: What does the religious authority teach about the role of the state? And I think that's a question that many of us need to be asking more often when we're talking about this whole realm of faith and politics indeed now just as an aside in terms of romney's faith here in michigan i think it has absolutely no bearing on his uh, prospects here i mean his father remember was governor of michigan so Mm -hmm. i don't i don't see that being a factor at all in this race
0: that question that that father robert raised though what what perspective does uh, the religious belief of the candidate bring to government is is a very good one and one i think a lot of us you're correct we should be thinking about that a lot more um and I'm sure we'll be doing that more and more as the uh as the campaign goes along here. Uh stay tuned to the podcast. I'm sure we'll have more commentary on that. We're seeing a lot of uh ads in Michigan right now, of course, because the primary is uh, what is it, Tuesday? Yep, that's Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. It's coming up <laughs> fast. Um there's there's two dueling ads that are out there right now. We're gonna play some audio from uh both of these. First off, let's uh check out what the Club for Growth is doing. The Club for Growth, a conservative, uh very much economically conservative group. Um works hard to get uh, conservative candidates elected to Congress and and, uh, other offices. Let's take a listen into their ad. There once was a governor from Hope, Arkansas, who raised taxes like there was no tomorrow. Higher sales taxes, gas taxes, grocery taxes, even higher taxes on nursing home beds. Raised spending by 50 percent, too. Who is that tax-and-spend liberal Arkansas governor, Bill Clinton? No, it's Mike Huckabee. He even wants to tax the
2: Internet, too. Clubforgrowth.net is responsible for the content of this advertising. Uh,
0: Ray uh, Ray Notstein, let's uh, let's turn to you for a second. What are they trying to do with this ad?
2: Sure, the fiscally conservative group Club for Growth, I saw the ad several times. They were running an ad against Mike Huckabee, attacking his record in Arkansas as governor, supporting taxes such as a gasoline tax hike, spending um, doubled under his governorship, and they're also attacking references he's made to attacks on the Internet. So I think that this is something that Mike Huckabee is going to have to counter in some way, if not here in Michigan, down the line, is he's going to have to reassure conservative, uh, fiscal, fiscal conservatives a little bit better in a state-by-state basis throughout this primary. One other interesting factor
0: about this ad, uh, obviously uh, they're, what they're trying to do is connect the two men from Hope, Bill Clinton right. and, uh, and Mike Huckabee. And Jordan mentioned this a little bit earlier as well. Uh, since there is no real Democratic primary in the state of Michigan, this could bump up some of that sort of independent Democratic turnout uh, in favor of Huckabee in the Republican primary.
3: Well, it could backfire on the club for growth in a number of ways. One of those is it could make it look like Mike Huckabee is safe for Democratic crossover voters to, to cast a vote for here in the primary. The conventional wisdom would be that crossover voters are going to go for McCain, but um, his hawkish war stance might put some of those those types of voters off. So if they're looking for someone else to prop up here uh, on the Republican side, um, that, that ad may actually make Huckabee look like he's an acceptable candidate
1: for them. Mark I, th- Mark, I think there's another wild card here, and that is that the Kucinich vote, it's up
0: for grabs. <laughs> Kucinich is oh, the only... Always a key constituency. We have, we have to keep in mind, Kucinich is the only Democratic candidate who's actually campaigning in Michigan this week. So it's... it's oh, he is. It, yeah, it, it, is a real, uh, it is a real wild card. Yeah, some, we oh, can put it, put it that way. The uh, UFO vote, the UFO caucus, really up for grabs. <laughs> one, one more ad that we want to focus on quickly here. Uh, here's some audio from a uh, Mike Huckabee campaign ad that he's been running pretty regularly in Michigan the past few days as well. When you grow up and life's a struggle you have a whole different understanding of what most people are going through. We're losing manufacturing jobs. Homeowners face a credit crisis. High fuel costs are spiraling, and families are hurting. I cut taxes, built highways, reformed health care and education, and achieved record job growth. I'm Mike Huckabee, and I approve this message because I believe most Americans want their next president to remind them of the guy they work with, not the guy who laid them off. Jordan, can you talk a little bit about this ad? What is uh, Huckabee trying to do here?
3: Well, in a state that's really had a, sing, uh, a sort of single-state recession, it's been it's been the worst unemployment um, in the nation for for the last two to three years. This ad is is aimed at attacking um, weaknesses in the perceived opposition, that is Mitt Romney, especially. Um, so he's drawing the contrast between the sort of people that have been laying off numbers, massive numbers of people in Michigan. Um, versus a, a more uh, caring candidate. So, I mean, I think it's going to be effective in Michigan because it, it really has been a single-state recession in a lot of ways, and there have been a lot of economic hardships over the last two, three, four years. So um, that's really what it's aimed at. It, uh,
0: it's, it occurs to me that uh, what this is doing is sort of reinforcing – or it's almost a replay of George Bush's compassionate conservatism. And for uh, the, This is one of those things where Huckabee might be causing problems for himself again with the economic conservatives – in that compassionate conservatism is, is essentially big government conservatism. Um, he might run into some problems there, one would think. Uh, but, uh, again, we'll have to see how this all turns out. It's going to shake out on Tuesday one way or the other. Quickly, around the horn here, uh, predictions for uh, Michigan. John?
1: Michigan,
2: Romney. Michigan, Romney. Ray? I would say it would have to be McCain or Huckabee because I think Romney is going to be hurt by the independent voters, and he showed that he has not gotten independent voters in other states that have open primaries. Jordan.
3: Huckabee is going to take Michigan. Romney is going to finish third. His campaign is going to continue to talk as if they're going to run a 50-state race, but this will be, um, upon reflection, the end of the, the effective end of the Romney campaign.
0: Yeah, For Romney to lose uh, what is sort of his home state uh, would be a huge blow for that campaign. Absolutely. You know, I'm not even going to make a prediction. I don't, I, frankly, if I don't even know who I'm going to vote for yet, I don't want to make a prediction. We'll just leave it at that. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking some time today. Glad to have you here, and uh, I'm sure we'll all be back together again many times this year talking uh, some politics and faith.
2: Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thank you.
0: You are listening to Radio Free Acton, the podcast of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty want to let you know about an event that we have coming up in February, uh, February 14th, in fact, Valentine's Day. Gentlemen, buy two tickets, take the wife, uh, at St. Cecilia Music Center here in uh, downtown Grand Rapids. Dr. Glenn Sunshine will be uh, delivering the second of our addresses this year in the Acton Lecture Series. It will be entitled Wealth, Work, and the Church, taking place, as I said, downtown St. Cecilia Music Center, right off Fulton Street, 24 Ransom Avenue is the address if you are in or around Grand Rapids and are interested in coming. Dr. Sunshine is the chair of the History Department at Central Connecticut State University, holding his Ph.D. in Renaissance and Reformation History from the uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison and an M.A. in Church History from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. I've had opportunity to meet and speak with Dr. Sunshine uh, not too long ago, and he's quite an interesting guy, should be a great event. Tickets for the event, if you're uh, just a standard adult, 15 bucks. If you're a student, the price drops to $5. It's pretty affordable. You can register for the event online at acton.org. Speaking of the Acton Lecture Series, it did kick off just last week. The first uh, in the series of lectures this year was delivered by uh, a great friend of the Acton Institute and actually uh, one of our uh, research fellows, Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse, her lecture was entitled Freedom, the Family, and the Market, a Humane Response to the Socialist Attack on the Family. Now, if you uh, missed the event or you were there and want to see or hear it again, the audio and video are available online uh, in streaming format for the video uh, at Acton.org. Be sure to go and check that out. Uh, after her uh, lecture was done, our own John Caritas sat down with Dr. Morse And uh, asked her a few questions, including one regarding the the family and the market. Dr. Morse asserts that uh, the market needs the family in order to thrive, and uh, John Caritas asked her why that is.
4: There are a bunch of reasons that the the free market needs a family. The most basic is that um, people aren't born as adults. Uh, ready to make contracts and and bargains with one another. People are born as helpless babies, and somehow you've got to get from the helpless baby up to the grown-up adult um, that can participate in the market and and that can use freedom without bothering other people too much. And that's what the family does. Among other things, the family socializes children and makes them into uh, adults who can take their place in the adult society. And one of the things I wrote about in Love and Economics um, is the fact that the bond with the mother lays the groundwork for the development of the conscience, for the development of self-control. Um, and those are the things that make it possible to be social at all in any so- society, and in any social circumstance. So um, I've been thinking about this part of it you know, since 2001 when I wrote Love and Economics, you know, just that the, the, the free market is counting on adult participants, but adult participants get produced within the family. And so if that doesn't happen, you don't have people who can really participate in the market.
1: You talk about the, a Christian understanding of marriage is a more humane view of marriage than you would find in a Muslim society or even a secular society. Would you elaborate on that a little bit?
4: Two things. First of all, um, that religious people in general have more babies than non-religious people, than than, than secular people, and that's, that's true across societies and within societies. Um, but that Um, And there are a number of reasons why religion, you know, promotes fertility partly. It promotes marriage and belief in the future and different things like that. But um, a lot of our secular brethren can't really see the difference between Islam and Christianity. You know, all religion is crazy, mysticism, oppressive. They're a bunch of nut jobs, you know. And they can't really see that there's a distinction amongst them. What Christianity offers is a vision of men and women collaborating with one another Christianity sees the differences between men and women as part of the divine plan for teaching love, um, and for for teaching us to be interdependent with each other, teaching us to cooperate with each other, teaching us to um, need and use the strengths of the other, so that the strengths of the man can complement uh, the strengths of the woman, and that we can offset each other's weaknesses, we can moderate each other's excesses. Christianity teaches that it's all uh, collaborative and that those are the great possibilities so that when saint paul is talking about um, uh, wives be subordinate to your husbands in the very next breath he's saying husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and it's all within the context of, of mutual cooperation for the good of the whole. You know, the wife has to obey the husband, but the husband has to allow himself to be crucified for his wife, you know. And so, I don't know, I kind of feel like I have the better deal out of this one. But, but um, so I, I think it's a more appealing vision, um, certainly than, than the Islamic vision, which, which I think you can make the case is a subordination, a complete submission. Um, And and secularism is simply unrealistic because it doesn't allow women to be women and men to be men. It it has real trouble seeing sexual differentiation and knowing what to make of it. Um, We see sexual differences as opportunities for collaboration and gains from trade. As an economist, you'd say gains from trade, Um, whereas a lot of the modern world sees differences as being Um, occasions of violence and oppression and conflict at the very least we need to level the differences and at at the worst um, the fact that one person's different from the other means they're going to have conflict with each other well that doesn't follow and uh, i think christianity um, is trying to is trying to show us that it goes all the way back to saint paul and his vision of the mystical body of christ um, that nobody gets to be the whole body, you know, nobody gets to be everything, um, and I think a lot of people in the modern world have the idea that um, each individual is supposed to be completely self-sufficient, um, and that's not St. Paul's idea.
0: And that was Dr. Jennifer Roback Morris after her lecture last week, kicking off the 2008 Acton Lecture Series. If you want to attend uh, the February 14th lecture by Dr. Glenn Sunshine downtown Grand Rapids at the Saint Cecilia Music Center. Please uh, go online and register at org. Those seats fill up pretty fast. Uh, but we'd love to have you. So acton.org, that's where you can register for the Acton Lecture Series. want to thank you for listening to Radio Free Acton this week. Again, I'm Mark Vandermoss. If you are not already, you, uh, we hope you will subscribe to the podcast and be sure to Check us out every week as we bring uh, bring you more information, new topics, different people here at the Acton Institute. Thanks for listening. The Acton Institute exists to promote a free and virtuous society characterized by individual liberty and sustained by religious principles. If you want to know more about the programs or initiatives of the Acton Institute, please do check us out online at acton.org. And do check out the Acton Power blog at blog.acton.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.